the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children Welcome to Children's Bible Journey with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing some praises to our awesome God. Some people say, you are what you eat. But maybe they should be saying, you are what you think. Just like we need to be careful what kind of food we put into our bodies, we need to guard what kind of thoughts we put into our minds. From Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about such things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. If anything is excellent, excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about, think about, think about such things. Happy. We'll 
do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. a message wants us to come over for the evening. Levi Matthew? Yes. I wouldn't go to his house if he were the last person on earth. I thought you and he were friends. <laughs> then you haven't heard. Heard what? Mr. Levi Matthew has betrayed the honor of Israel. He's an extortionist, a, an apostate. He's the vilest of the vile. Something terrible has happened? Terrible? The worst. He has accepted a position as collector of taxes for the Romans, a publican. That is bad. Has it been worth it, Levi? Really worth it? <laughs> uh, we're rich. Rich, yes. But we're also outcasts from society. We've violated the religious, social, and national customs of our own people. We're considered apostates, the vilest of the vile. And in a way, they're right. You do enrich yourself by extortion, collecting more taxes than Rome requires, and then keeping it for yourself. Well, if I didn't do it, someone else would. That's no excuse, and you know it, Levi. Why don't you quit? That, my dear, is a good question. The truth is, I, I would quit if I could, but I can't. I'm already branded as a publican. No one, certainly not our religious leaders, would ever accept me again as one of them. Doesn't your conscience hurt you? Sometimes. Very much. I've even tried to approach some of the elders and leaders, but they ignore me, shun me, send me away as something to be reviled and hated. Time passed. Levi Matthew became more wealthy, more hated and despised by his own people. Yet he continued to sit at the gate in the tax-collecting booth. Often he was required to go through the countryside, in villages, among the homes, along the sea, collecting taxes. Sometimes he would see great multitudes gathered to listen to a man from Nazareth named Jesus. Often he would stop and listen and watch. Some words and scenes remained vivid in his memory. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go unto thine house. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I will. Be thou clean. Repent, and thy sins shall be forgiven thee. No man cometh to the Father but through me. I shall make you free. Levi Matthew often thought of these matters and began to believe in his heart that Jesus might be the Messiah, the long-looked-for Redeemer. And he began to be more honest in his dealings with the public. Why don't you go to him, Levi? Uh, Perhaps he'll receive you. I've been on the verge of it many times. And I'm reminded how the elders and Pharisees send me from them. Certainly one so pure as Jesus couldn't remain in the presence of one so vile and wicked as I am. But I've heard that he'll forgive sinners. Maybe, Levi, he just might. (laughs) 
Next. Yes, sir. State your name. Martha, sir. Martha Nathan. Oh, the occupation of your husband. Well, I'm a widow. I have a small herd of goats. How many? Uh, Eighteen, sir. Uh, nine of them is your tax, or the equivalent in Roman coins. But, sir, I'm a widow with four small children, and I... All right. All right, Matthew, don't be so greedy. Uh, I'm sorry, madam, I made a mistake. The tax is one goat, or the equivalent. Oh. Pay my attendant over there. Next. Uh, y yes, yes, sir. State your name and... Oh, wait. Jesus, coming through the gate. He's looking straight at me. Coming in this direction, he... He's going to speak to me. Me. Levi Matthew. Uh, yes, master. Follow me. He, yes, master. Uh, boy, take care of things. Leaving, sir? Uh, Jesus of Nazareth has called me. I shall follow as one of his disciples. Levi Matthew. Yes, Master. In following me, you leave behind wealth, a lucrative business, ease, in exchange for poverty and hardship. Oh, it's enough for me, Master, that I shall be with you, that I may listen to your words and learn of you. Great is thy faith, Matthew, and great shall be thy reward. I, I'm a publican, and I understand the minds of publicans. They realize that they're sinners, and many of them long to be forgiven. Such minds, Matthew, are open for truth. I seek a way to help my fellow publicans. With thy permission, Master, I would hold a feast, inviting publicans and those considered of doubtful reputation and those shunned by their more scrupulous neighbors. I would make thee, Master, the honored guest. For this purpose came I into the world. Plan thy feast, Matthew. I shall be there. Isn't Jesus supposed to be the most popular man of our time? The greatest teacher in Israel? He is. Then what is he doing here? Does he not realize that we are outcasts and, and that by associating with us, he, he too may become an outcast? Oh, I'm sure he cares not for human policies. External distinctions weigh nothing to him. The condition of one's heart and mind, the thirsting of the soul for the water of life, such things mean everything to him. Well, look at him sitting there. By his sympathy and social kindliness, he shows that he recognizes the dignity of man regardless of position or condition in life. I could do nothing more honorable than to be worthy of his confidence and friendship. Uh, his, his face does shine with a, a special kind of, of glow. <laughs> That's something amusing. Oh, just thinking. I can just see the faces of the Pharisees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be greatly offended that Jesus chose a publican as one of his disciples. It will be an offense against their religious, national, and social custom. <laughs> oh, they'll be indignant, angry. <laughs> continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. 
Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Everybody, it's time for our kids' Bible club meeting to begin. Hey, Pastor Perez, I've got a question. Sure, Sam. What's on your mind? Well, you told us to find interesting texts in the Bible and learn something from them, right? Right. So, I was reading in the Psalms, and I found something that I don't understand. 
It's Psalm 113, verse 7. Here's what it says. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. I got to say, Pastor Perez, we've got a lot of poor people in our town, and they've been poor for a long time. I don't see God doing anything for them. Good point, Sam. But God doesn't just pick someone up and plunk him or her down in a fine house with a new car and a driveway. Instead, he teaches everyone through his word how to live a healthy, honest, and hardworking life. Someone who is strong and healthy, who doesn't lie and is willing to work hard, will more than likely find opportunities to climb out of poverty. But what about those people who lost their jobs? Like my dad, he's healthy, honest, and willing to work, but he can't earn any money. Yes, Sam, I heard about that. I'm so sorry. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. That's when God needs us to help. Us? Yeah, you and me. We can encourage those who are struggling. As a church and as a community, we can look for ways to help them, like making sure they have enough food to eat or a safe place to live. And, and, and we can let them know that we still value them as people. For some, that's as important as finding a job. Thanks, Pastor Press. When I get home, I'm going to tell my dad that he's a great dad, and I'm proud of him, even though he lost his job. Sam, that will certainly raise him from the dust. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Honor your father and your mother.
boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. A Jeep Load of Mechanics by Mabel Hillock. Chug, 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 jerk, stop. The missionary looked glumly at the dials on the dashboard. Yes, there was gas. He tried the starter. No, the engine would not start. The car just wasn't planning to budge an inch. Not again, he groaned. The old car had a habit of acting like this. It had supposedly been fixed several times, but now it had stopped once again. Wearily, the missionary stepped out into the hot Indian sunshine and lifted the hood of the car. He was a school principal and had never been much of a mechanic back home, but here in the mission field, he was learning fast. Taking out the tools he had placed under the front seat for emergencies, he began to tinker with the stubborn engine. Spark plugs wrong? No, they seemed to be all right. The carburetor? It looked okay. What else could it be? The missionary worked on, his once white shirt getting greasier and his hands getting grimier by the minute. Soon the others who had been in the car crowded around trying to help. But although they did everything they could to put a spark of life into the defunct motor, it looked as though the vehicle had given up for good this time. The missionary sighed and climbed back into the car to get away from the blistering sun. He wished he had brought some water to drink, but he hadn't planned to be gone so long. It had all started several months before when the missionary had returned home from a committee meeting. They agreed to let us build a new duplex for our Indian teachers, he had told his wife. And so after many long sessions with paper, pencil, and contractors, the work had finally begun. Men had to dig out the foundations for the walls, and while they were doing that, stones were hauled to the site on bullock carts. Sand had to be dug from the riverbed behind the boys' dormitory and sifted, and permits had to be secured for everything, permits for stones, permits for sand, and permits for cement. The missionary made seemingly endless trips for this, that, and the other. Now it was bricks that were needed, but there were no bricks to be found near the school. It was Diwali season, comparable to Christmas and New Year in other countries, and no one would be making bricks until after Diwali, which lasted nearly a month. Finally, someone told the missionary of a brickyard several miles away where he could buy the bricks he so badly needed. So on a hot Friday afternoon, the missionary, along with the school treasurer, the contractor, and one or two of their friends, had piled into the car and started out to see what bricks could be bought. But now they were having car trouble. They hadn't even reached the brickyard yet, and the precious Friday afternoon hours were slipping away. Soon it would be Sabbath, and the men should be back at the school. The missionary closed his eyes and silently prayed, Dear Lord, please help us. You know I want to be home before sundown, and I can't get this car to go. There isn't much traffic on this lonely road, and no one I can turn to for help except you. Please make this car run. He tried the starter again. Buzz. Silence. He tried again. Another buzz. More silence. The missionary leaned against the door and tried to figure out what he should do. He could walk several miles to find a mechanic, or perhaps one of the few passing trucks would tow. Suddenly, there was the roar of a motor, then the screeching of brakes as a jeep pulled up beside them. The missionary looked up to see men jumping out of the vehicle and walking toward him. 
How so many men could come out of one Jeep amazed him. Are you having difficulty with your car? One of them asked. May we help you? We are all mechanics on our way to a convention. With a whole Jeep load of mechanics, it didn't take long to find and fix the problem. Soon, both car and Jeep were on their way again. The Lord does hear and answer our prayers, the missionary concluded when he told the story at Vespers that night, sometimes in very unexpected ways. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Children come, don't dare drive them away, and then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.